Welcome back to another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast. Thank you for being here with me today. You literally could be anywhere you want to be, like anywhere. I mean, you could come out to California and hang with me if you want, but thank you for being a committed listener to this podcast. And we got a treat for you today. Pick up those paintbrushes, the air paint, any kind of artistry work, and get ready. We have the top, who I consider the top artist. Forget you, Banksy. You don't know who you are. The top artist in the world, Noah Elias. And you would think we'd get in depth on, and we will. We'll talk about his Disney deal that he that he works on, Pixar, Fast and the Furious, and all of that. But so much more in depth on how Noah attacked his passion when he was literally homeless, living out of his car in Newport Beach, painting for anyone, was just broken, having a midlife crisis at 28, and how he used that underbelly wounding to find his true calling and to be able to achieve who he's become to be an ultimate life pivot. This guy is just... You are going to be blown away. I I really recommend you listen to this one three times. I'm not just saying that. He is that good and that impactful. We will absolutely have him back on. But for now, buckle up, because here we go. Noah Elias, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. Man, it's been a couple months since I met you down at the baseball game and was just blown away by you from the first time that I met you. Your amazing paintings that you showed me through Instagram. I've been stalking you, looking at your tattoos, all the artwork you do. Man, it's just an honor and a blessing to have you on this podcast. Oh, thank you, man. I'm, I'm stoked. Okay, we're going to dive into it. So start us off with a bang, something that maybe not everybody necessarily knows about you. The, like I said, the amazing artist that you are, but something a little bit different. Something, gosh, uh, something a little bit different. I um, probably, and I, put, I don't post enough about this or, or put this out there enough, but just in, incredibly um, enamored with interior design. Mm. And uh, I know it sounds weird, it's out of left field, but it's like, it's a, a big part of uh, it's a big part of who I am and, and the way that I'm wired from my upbringing. Okay, interior design. Are you interior design like houses or like what yep, is yep. okay? Right, so creative, creative spaces, places that like really inspire creativity. And when people walk into it, they don't. There's something special about it, but they don't know why. But mm. all the nuances and like really studying the entire art of what it means to uh, bring people into an immersive experience, whether it's the, the, the paper quality of the receipt to the pen that's used to the weight of the utensils, to the look of the room, the lighting, the vibe, like I nerd out on all that stuff. Ooh. It's like a whole hobby. So yeah, yeah, I love, I love exercising it as well. Ooh, I'm into that, man. I just read a book called joy and it was about like how they look at joy from a different angle of the things around you like the colors that bring people joy the interior design like we think it's all internal but there's a lot of it that's external that brings it oh massive so that's beautiful when i design my house my dream home i know where i'm coming (laughs) for the paintings too (laughs) yeah no on this pivot and go podcast we bring on people that have achieved great life success in their own terms and no one ever Mm -hmm. just gets there you don't just start at the top you go through different pivots, different struggles. Is there a time in your life that really stands out to you that you were just, man, just just stuck and you made this pivot that led to mm-hmm. the trajectory you're on today? Yeah, I had built the ladder of success, found out that it was leaning up against the wrong building, 
and mm. got to the top and was miserable at 28 years old, kind of having a midlife crisis because I started my business when I was 16 on a bike, going door to door, selling art, and uh, people call it hustling or whatever. But back then there was no social media, so there was no way to get the word out. So in my case, I just got on a bike, put some art underneath my arms, walk, walked door to door, rang the doorbell, and started to ask people um, if they wanted to buy some art, wash people's cars, did paper routes, did whatever I had to do to make revenue. Mom was uh, unfortunately uh, in bed. Uh, dad was uh, doing his own thing. The family had split up when we were nine. So it was like a, a massive uh, nuclear bomb that went off in my life. And then um, when uh, I hit 28, I had become super successful. But uh, at 28, I was haunted by the fact that if I had reached the ladder of success and the pinnacle at 28, what the heck was I going to do with the rest of my life? And that's where I had a total massive, massive pivot and a massive shift. It was a massive disruption. So, okay, let, let's rewind that for a second now. You had this at 28. And, yeah. But before that, I know that you had a decision to make. Now, what oh. you're not telling and you're super humble is you're one of the top artists in the world. Like, there's no mm. question about it. There's no question about it. You don't have to say it. I'll say it for you. But you had a lot of good options, right? How did you settle on being like, okay, I'm going to make painting. I'm going to make art. Yeah. I'm going to make this mm -hmm. my living. This is my calling. The, mm -hmm. the great over good. How did you deal with that? Well, uh, I was terrified because it's one thing to be a creative and an artist um, looking at life through the lens, uh, th through looking at the world through the lens of uh, the way the world sees success. And the terrifying thing about that is success is typically measured by status, money, possessions. Right. And, um, the disruption for me at 28 was basically to see things through a biblical world lens. How did God see me? How did he design me? How did, why did he put me on this earth? What am I supposed to do? I knew I had something extremely important tugging in my gut. I knew I was made for more. I knew I was wired for more, but I could not find the answers to that question. And so the hard part it, with the, what am I going to do with the rest of my life as a creative Art for me was the one thing that was paying the bills, but also art was the thing that um, I knew as a go-to uh, because it, it, it was the one thing I could do that nobody else could do. Were there a lot of other artists? Yes. Are there still artists that are absolutely unbelievably better than I am? Totally. Am I the worst? No. Can I do some art? Yes. But for me, creativity was also haunting because of all the personas of what everybody said at the time. Artists don't make money. Don't go to school. You know, you, even if you went to school for creativity, it still wasn't a guarantee that you're going to be able to pay the bills. And so for me, I was born at a very interesting time. And I think this will help a lot of people that are listening to this is when you arrive on this planet and when God places you on this planet for such a time as this, I was born as an eight, in the seventies, grown up when I finally matured in the eighties where technology was just starting to come on the scene. So here I go from an analog lifestyle of an artist creating things out of thin air to then maximizing that with technology. And so for me, technology being born where I was starting to do uh, illustration work, you know, signs by hand, drawings by hand, illustration, logos, package design, branding, you name it, I did it. I was the guy that created that. But it was haunting, back to the question, the haunting part for me with creativity was the fact that, holy mackerel. I not only have to figure out how to make a life and a living, but then I got to do it from creativity. And so it felt like the odds were double stacked against. 
Dude, I looked at janitors. I looked at people that just had a job where people are like, dude, this guy's scrubbing toilets for a living. I'm like, dude, that guy's got it better than me. <laughs> he's completely, he's got stability. He's got a guarantee. He knows that that paycheck's going to show up. And so for me, I'm like, dude, how do I solve this riddle? I love that. You know, that is the epitome of taking the gift that God gave you, your passion for art, mm -hmm. and making yeah. it your mission, making it so much bigger than just than mm -hmm. just a job, which you have done. And I think it's the greatest gratitude to God is mm -hmm. when we take this gift that he gives us and we pursue it, when we go all in with such a passion, yeah. because so many of us, and I, I want to get in this deeper with you, is we have this, this block on us, this fear. You hit on it, the worldly success. Like you want to just know that that paycheck's coming. But you yeah. took that bet on yourself. You took mm. that bet. You had that midlife crisis. And you got to tell yeah. the story about the yellow Lamborghini guy, because I think that ties yeah. it in so beautifully. Yeah, so that night, I'm sitting above the cliff in Corona del Mar, which is one of my most important places that I go to every weekend. And um, one of the most important things for me by going there was as I sat above that cliff and I was thinking about reconciling that whole thought of what am I supposed to do, all those tough questions, crying out to the Lord, trying to figure it out. Dude, all he said was this, take all your hurts, your pains, your struggles, your victories, everything that has happened up to this point over the last 10, after the last 10 to 15 years, and take that and put that in your, take that journal and put that into paintings. I went home super depressed, super upset, and I literally emotionally vomited and just purged spiritually onto these canvases. We just went mm. off, went nuts on them. I framed them full blown. They're about eight, you know, six feet long, almost cinematic aspect ratio, and just put them up in my gallery, which is this really cool warehouse at the time, and just put all of those angels and mermaids and just that whole vibe. And um, I put them up there, and then I was sitting there and I was praying. I was talking to the Lord about it. I'm like, dude, what should we price these things at? And he's like, if the price does not scare you, you're not going big enough. And so he, he was like this, dude, you gotta, you gotta be like having pucker factor. Like it's gotta make you like super cringe, almost throw up if it's not. And, and at the time I was like a couple grand, you know, on my paintings, I put 12,500 on them. Next thing I know, a few days later through a referral, this dude rolls up in a yellow Lamborghini, comes walking in the studio and he's like, dude, I heard about your stuff. I wanted to check it out. I'm building this brand new house. And he comes looking at me. He's like, okay, these things are crazy, dude. He's like, um, how much are they? And I said, um, they're 12, five each. And he's like, I'll take those four right there. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he hands me the check and I'm like looking at that check. And I immediately flashed back to my conversation with the Lord crying out on that cliff sitting there. And I wasn't suicidal or anything, but I was just literally sitting there looking at everything through God's perspective. And he's like, listen, the Lord just gives me this download. He goes, dude, and I do think God speaks in dude, but he goes, dude, yeah. <laughs> he goes, listen, your story is your greatest asset. And if you take your asset and expose your story, it is going to provide healing and a solution to help heal the world through my hope. And most people want to, keep the underbelly of their life and want to keep the underbelly of everything that's happening happened to them. Either one, they're in fear of people hearing the, the underbelly and the hurt and the ugly and the milk and the mire 
I don't care if it's you were molested. I don't care if it was you went through sexual trauma, you went through verbal assault, you went through curses spoken over you. I don't care if you went through, regardless of how ugly and gross and horrible anything that you went through or the things that you lacked, God wants to make beauty out of the ashes of your life. And dude, I'm telling you right now, when we take our story, which is what God spoke through, it's the most powerful powerful thing because your story is your greatest asset. And that is the one thing that people cannot take away from you because it actually did happen. People can't sit here and say, dude, that ain't the truth. The, this doesn't, the, you know, the Bible doesn't say that. Screw that, dude. That happened to me. And when I took that hurt, those pains, those pages, and put that into art, that became somebody else's, a part of somebody else's story to provide them hope. So what I think is like one of the main things that I focus on when I'm coaching and mentoring creatives is helping extract that greatest asset out of them. Then putting that into their products, putting that into their work. And it doesn't just have to be paintings. It goes into why you're building a company. Why are, are you a company or are you a cause? How is everything that you're going to use, your time, talent, and treasure, going to be used for something that has eternal value? Because everybody here right now is trying to build brands and build success and trying to be successful using a metric, what I call a vanity metric, which is success, which is based completely on a false narrative where they're just trying to build this rad brand and company, not realizing, dude, you're building a house on sand when if you just really used your story... That's really what people want to connect with. And that's when things are going to be the tipping point and the skyrocket to your brand. But we have to, rem we have to be vulnerable. We have to be able to share that. We have to be able to tune into that. But then we have to properly have the bedside manner of knowing how to position that to the world. So most of the time, creators blow it and just go off firing. And the goal here is, is to really harness what God has done in your life. Use that to be a solution for others. So that was my tipping point. Oh, Long answer, sorry. No, come on, preach it. Beauty out of the ashes, Noah. Wow. And a company or a curse. We're going to get into this. We're going to get into this fear, but it's, it's so true. Like nobody has it all together. But yet we all want to paint that picture, this Instagram picture that we all do have it together. But it's the sure. ones who are willing to show their underbelly wounding like <laughs> you did and just be like, God, you know what? Like you use this how you want to use this. You put me through this for a reason and a purpose. Now, what mm. is it? And for you to yeah. see that and pursue it is a whole nother ball game too. Because some yeah. people might see that, Noah, but it's also going to be, and we, we see this too in building our personal brands because we don't have that person that we're working, that we got to report to and we want to build the brands. And hey, it's, 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 that, it's that dance of look at us, but also right. the humility and the real reason why we're doing it. And I think like what you talk about in, uh, in just the social media, how technology is a real issue that is destroying mm. the world and what you do with your productivity as far as email, texting, social media. I, I think totally. that is so needed, man. I want to dive into that before we sure. come back to the fear that holds us all back. Yeah. 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 So what, uh, in terms of productivity, is that what you're, yeah. You're, you, what, what would you, you like know, to touch wanna, on? Which one? Well, let's just talk about like how technology is, is just, crushing the world crushing this this youth that we have and how we're so dependent mm -hmm. on technology and how do we 
how do we guard against that? Like, what are your habits that you set up where you mm. make sure that you're keeping the most important times? Because I've heard you say, my number one qu- client is my wife, and I love yeah. that. And you talk about your best days, taking them, your kids to the trips they want to mm-hmm. go on. But too much, yeah. too many of us just get so caught up in, oh, I got to build this, I got to build this, I got to build my career. Like everybody's, yeah. and I think God's looking down at us, just laughing. He's, like, he's probably like, Noah, David, like that's cute, man. That, what you're doing is cute, but, but what are you really yeah. doing? So, right. long, long question, how do you? How do you uh, bucket your times to make the most important the most important? Okay, dude, you can do three things with your time. Um, and this will be kind of a drink off the fire hose. You can Let's do three go. things. Let's you can go. do three things with your time. You can spend it. You can waste it. You can invest it. Mm. Okay. So there's two things that can happen with your time every single day. You can either put it into a shredder or you can put it into a vault, into a safe. And so we all have the same amount of time, 168 hours a week. But some of us spend them. Some of us waste them. Some of us invest them. My time, my talent, and my money, those three things are going to be measured at the end of my life. And the smart ones that are like the one percenters on this earth, which is who I love to work with, I love to take those individuals that know that they're going to stand on the scale at the end of their life and their time and their talent and their money is going to be measured. And God's basically going to say this. I spent everything with my son and sacrificed everything that I had to put you on this earth so that you could have eternity with me. As a result of that, I became your investor. So I bankrolled your life, but you made me a silent partner. That's one of the gnarliest things that I could ever imagine hearing from my heavenly father, not at the end of my life, but on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. My heavenly father has underwritten my life, providing me time, talent, treasure, my wife, my kids, relationships. But I'm looking at my life through the lens of saying, how much am I actually investing into those things which are eternal? And there's only a couple things that are eternal. One is God's word. And the only other thing that's eternal is people's souls. But yet I'm taking the time and the talent and the treasure that's been entrusted to me, and I'm either spending it, wasting it, or investing it. So when I hang out with people, I don't waste it. And I certainly don't spend time I invest every single time. When I decide where we're going to go, we don't spend time. We don't waste time. We invest time. I want to help individuals come to know who God is and arrive standing at the judgment seat of Christ as you enter in where you're going to need it forever as the biggest billionaire ballers in eternal stock. The world is living and playing and operating in, and technology is, I'm about to land the plane on this point. They're landing and operating in Confederate dollars. They're judging their time. They're judging what they do with their money. And they're judging all of that in vanity metrics. And the enemy loves it. Because you want to know how the enemy can keep believers from being effective and bearing fruit 
if he can just do whatever he can to keep things as distracted as possible. His number one goal is to keep you and I as distracted as possible. Now, there's a lot of successful, what so, a lot would say are successful uh, individuals, leaders, business owners. And you could say they're a believer. But if you really look at what God says in his word about the parable of the sower and how these individuals respond to God's word and that seed falling on gravel, that seed you know not having a root, that seed getting choked out. But honestly, David, where I fell was I was that believer in third soil. I was super, super busy on a hamster wheel. Man, my, my calendar was full. Man, we were doing a lot of cool things with a lot of people. We looked really, really busy. I went to bed to, you know, operating on 18 hour days every single night. I was building winery after winery after asset after asset. But you know what the problem was there? You couldn't drink my wine. Mm. I didn't have any fruit. I was busy, but I had nothing to show for it that had eternity written on it. And that's where the Lord says, because the deceitfulness of wealth and the riches and the dangling of the carrot of what this world has to offer. And what's the number one way to get that advertised? Social media, email, distraction. You get a report every single Sunday, probably around 9, 10 o'clock. Apple does that wonderful job of saying, hey, here's how much screen time you were up this last week. And typically, you're going to get that while you're sitting in church. And what I think is really fascinating is when we look at how we're allocating the time that we actually have on this earth, I had to get a hold of it. My productivity hacks include email at 12 and at 4. Um, my productivity hacks include, I was even thinking about it this morning, doing, I'm doing a whole new post just on the whole idea of um, what, what I call idea mining. And some people call it self-care. I think that's a lame term. The whole idea in investing your precious time, the sacred swing in the morning mm. of really doing that idea mining of spending time with the Lord, finding out that which what's just going to make your day the most optimized possible. How are you going to create the best creativity? How are you going to get the downloads for the greatest ideas of what's going to change your business? Basically, not keeping God a silent partner, but making him an active partner. He's the director. I'm the producer. But doing that, and that productivity for me is I'm not going to be able to get that, that sort of, those sorts of things done on a 168 hour a week if I'm literally holding the pacifier of social media and email in my mouth all day. Because that's a vanity metric. And if I step on the scale at the end of my week and go, at the end of the day, social media for me is a tool. And that tool is to be leveraged as an investment. Hey, I'm all for social media. I'm all for posting. I'm all for going off. But is it an investment? And, and quite frankly, I just have a, a self-convicting baseline gun to my head that just says this. If there are people that are going to follow my feed, will that be an investment of their time if they watch and read and go and study what I'm doing? Will they come away better as a result of the content that I'm creating? Or am I just creating fast food? Man, it tastes great for a second, but it has no lasting nurturance, no lasting sustenance. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Out of the 168 hours a week, we become what we eat. And if the lifestyle that you want 
has those things which are eternal that are off the charts in terms of productivity and incredible abundance of a life of impact, not just on yourself, but your family, your wife, your kids, and everybody that you're running life with, even on your social media, that is by design. So that's my productivity hacks. Oh, man. This is amazing. Noah, you are one of the, the, the wisest minds that I've been around, just in our interactions in person, through text, mm. and now in this conversation, too, is like we haven't even talked about your artwork. We haven't talked about your deals with Disney. We haven't talked about yeah. all of this, like what you would look as like, oh, Noah's going to come on here and he's going to talk about how great he is at, at painting and we're going to go into that. No, man. We're talking about no. bigger purpose. We're talking about life quality. We're talking about mission. Like you are using your vehicle that you've been given to share a much bigger, much bigger purpose. And just the way that you talk about keeping the most important, bucketed in with your times and your efficiency, it is a design. The The days that we live, our own artwork, our own design. So Man, right. you you talking off the cusp out of the water hose? Keep doing that. You got to get on stage and do that. But man, I could talk to you literally all day, and we will get the chance mm -hmm. to do that when we hang. Yeah, let's talk yep. about what's coming next for you. What the big coming next? For you? I mean, you have great books out, Fear Hunters, Speed Bumps. But what yeah. is the big next, and how can that? How is that going to help shape the youth, shape the future? Yeah, yeah. Um, so our, one of our biggest initiatives that we totally love, um, that like the end of our entire ecosystem is, uh, rescuing and caring for special needs AIDS orphans, uh, in South Africa, uh, through an amazing partnership, uh, with one of our other partners, Acres of Love. And, um, we want to do four homes in our lifetime. Um, you can see it on our, our website, just on, under our purpose, under noelias.net. But, um, like that's the end game. Those, I mean, that's investing into that, which is eternal. That's close to the Lord's heart. You know, in the Bible, it says that he bends down over the balcony of heaven and he lifts the orphan off the ash heap. It's like you run into God at a party. You're like, dude, what are you into? And he's like, um, I, I'm really into widows and orphans. Like that's just on his heart. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, I want to partner with that. Like whatever my dad's about, like that's what I want to partner with. So that's big and that's exciting. But if I go all the way back in the ecosystem, you know, art is where it started. Most people look at their life as like, oh, I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to be an accountant and I'm going to die an accountant. I'm going to be an artist, die an, an artist. And, I, and, and honestly, that's what I thought it was going to be. But God basically said this, hey, I, I made you multifaceted and the world's going to think that you're schizophrenic. But I made you multifaceted and you're going to live a portfolio life because there's more to you than just art and creativity. You're going to use that and you're going to use that art to catapult doing online courses and masterclasses and helping train people and help bringing people into what you've learned. You're going to show people how to paint through masterclasses online because digital technology allowed that to happen. So what a wonderful way to cast the net and to help people in that endeavor. Then it became, Hey, there's people that want consulting and design and vision and strategy for their business and their brand and helping scale their ministries and helping them scale their online platforms. And then it grew to like, Okay, well then all of those companies that you provide the vision and strategy for need help with implementation of building those sites and those ecosystems online and their, their assets, et cetera. And so then we started a whole agency doing that. And then it was like, but then there's all these folks that are blank canvases that need help with vision and strategy for their life and their brand and their ministry, their ministry, their mission and their kingdom assignment. 
So do a, do a whole initiative just to help that. And as I started looking at this whiteboard of like, wait, it started with this art and the Lord used that as the spark to create a wildfire of an ecosystem that allows creatives to be able to come in depending on what their need is, depending on how big that they want to go. And for me in that endeavor, the newest thing is we're doing a brand new uh, course called The Profitable Artist. Um, and it's based on this new book that I just finished. And and really what it is, it's, it's, it's not just for artists because we're all creatives, but it's really helping individuals see that every single one of us has assets in our life. Every single one of us needs to build a platform. Every single one of us needs to reach an audience. And I can help those even if they're in a cubicle working for a corporate job. But for me, nobody, I could not find anywhere in the world that was doing this through a biblical world lens. Mm. Because there's these silos of, hey, we'll help you do this in the kingdom realm. Hey, we'll help you build a successful business. I'm like, that is not a life approach. Here's, let me just kind of close it out with this, dude. And this yep. will kind of put a bow on everything to really help put it into perspective. Here's what I've discovered in 35 years of, of being in business and doing all of this. After surveying, after witnessing, after investigating, and after working with creative entrepreneurs for the last 35 years, here is what I've arrived at. The Christian businessman and woman is the most underserved, under-maximized missionary on the planet. Here's why. They have more influence Sunday to Sunday than a mega, mega church. Mm -hmm. You've got more people on your social media. You have more people on your email list. You have more people in your customer base. You have more people as your employees. You have more vendors. If I pull all of those people together, you've got thousands, if not hundreds, tens of hundreds of thousands of people that you have influence over that most churches wish and prayed that they had. So what does a woman or a man, individual, that has that sort of influence, get the backstopping training to be able to say, dude, you're the church. Sunday to Sunday, you're the most underserved, undersupported missionary on the planet. But you're thinking that you're just going to go Sunday to Sunday, get a dose of medication, mm -hmm. rinse and repeat, same message every single Sunday, and it's the same thing every single time. I want to help you understand the fact that life to the full, when you're living in your calling, is not something you'll ever want to retire from. Yeah. And it's something that continues to get better and better. And why would you ever want to retire when you know the most people that you've ever known and possess the most wisdom that you've ever had? You will never, ever want to ever run from, nor watch this. This is not a life that you want to escape from. Most people are like, dude, I want to get on vacation and just go to Bali and all this. To escape from what? <laughs> dude, if you have a rad life, dude, right. you never want to escape this thing. It's life by design. And so for me, once I was able to sit down and God got a hold of me and be able to say, dude, life to the full, obedience, my way, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. 
bro, if you just do my plan and we couple your creativity and I back heaven's resources and connections and money and, and, and people and business development, dude, I will make you go beyond anything. So long as your success is pointed at building my empire, not yours. And dude, that's when the business took off. That's when it went multifaceted. That's when rocket fuel got put in the tank. And dude, that's available to everybody. Or we can just keep token on the hookah pipe of vanity metrics sitting on social media and looking at everybody else's highlight reel and wondering why God doesn't show up. Man. No, uh, come on, man. I love how you live your, your faith, your love for Jesus on your sleeve and in a cool way. Like, you make it cool. Like, this is how it should be. Like, Jesus came and he picked all these misfits he goes around taking these people that nobody else looks at as having yeah. success, and he makes them yeah. his closest compadres. Like you, make, yeah. like ah, you just ooze it out of you, man. And it's, I love how you say you are the church because that is, I mean, essentially what we are. We are not who we are just on Sundays, but who we are throughout mm. the entire week. And we have this this gift, this this passion, this mission that is the epitome yeah. of heaven on earth that God wants us yeah. to. to dance with the divine here on earth so i love that man mm. hey i could talk to you all day like i've said but i'm gonna throw you on the rapid fire hot seat just for sake of it, your dude. time this is quick answers whatever comes to your mind here we go rapid fire do you have a favorite mindset quote that you live by on your fridge on your bathroom mirror something that really stands out to you um my mentor told me it's like your calling is so unique to you it'll never be It'll never be lived or reproduced by anyone before you or after you. Oh, man. Beautiful. What does leaving a legacy look like to you, Noah? Not necessarily the big billboards. I think you've hit on it a lot yeah. here in this podcast of legacy, what true yeah. legacy is about. But if you could just wrap that thing up, what, what, what would it look like? Um, that everything that I spent time on earth doing my fruit would grow on other people's trees. God's fruit, the message of God's hope, that fruit would grow on other people's trees as a result of, of me working with them. Love it. Love it. Here's a fun one for you. And this is, I feel like you're going to have some interesting answers here. If you could invite okay. three people that are alive to a dinner party, mm. who are you inviting? And what are you eating? What is your last death row meal? Mm. Um, be my wife, little Noah, my daughter Griffin. And the reason why that question is because it's easy to think that you want to be with somebody famous, but the only thing is um, the investment of time with, with Chantel and Noah and the kids, that's actually the legacy. So that's yep. going to be the greatest yep. investment of that meal. Great um, and, and providing the fruit that will grow on their trees. Um, anybody else that I would eat with would just be just a cool memory. Um, yep. In terms of what we're eating, we eat it often, and it's super bomb. We make Ruth Chris steaks mm. on an iron skillet in our barbecue. Mm. Mm. We make sweet potato mash casserole with sourdough bread oh. dipped in the juices on the skillet. Followed by coffee, cookie dough, Oreo ice cream with a three-shot espresso. And 
I'm either going to go with Eight Years in the Desert Wine, Papillon, all my boy Dave Feeney's uh, wine selections. That's what I'm going to have. Do you realize you just painted out my favorite meal? I'm not even kidding. Sourdough, sweet potato steak. Bro, I'm inviting you to come down to the oh, lodge. Hey. And if you come, by the way, when we do our deal, we're going to be breaking bread after. So it's going to be unreal. Uh, yep. I'm already making the shifts in the schedule to be there. Trust me. You just sold me there. Everything else before that, like the people that are coming, forget that. That food, yeah, dude. come on. No, it's so legit. Man, it's good. I love that answer too. And, and, and tell about... You got to tell about the best day. I, I heard this on a podcast where you're just talking about, mm-hmm. and Home Alone is my favorite movie. It literally is my favorite uh-huh. movie of all time. But just tell yeah. tell the audience real quick about the best day that you do with your kids. Yeah, everything that I've learned, everything I've talked about here, guys, um, the master's program is my mentorship. And I went through it four or five times. That's why I teach it now, because it's the, it gave me everything that we're talking about today. It gave me the biblical worldview and the lens to be able to make decisions and filter life through. Well, one of the most exciting parts of the mentorship is when we get into family. And a big part of that is what do we do with kids? What do we do with our children and our investment of, of underwriting memories with our children and why that's so important? And a big part of that process is bestowing the blessing. I never received the blessing from my dad and you can't give what you do not have. And so once I received the blessing from my surrogate fathers, it allowed me to bestow the blessing upon my children and on Griffin's 18th birthday, my daughter, as well as Noah's 16th birthday to be able to put your hand on your child's heart and look them in the eye and bestow the blessing upon them is one of the most profound, powerful things that you can ever do. Second, uh, close, on that that blessing is reminding them of the blessing and the covenant that they live under you as their father and as their parent with best days. So the master's program teaches this amazing um, tool that you can use with your children. And so for, for when the kids are growing up, you know, it's, it's different because, you know, when they're little and they were, you know, it was all about, let's just go to Disneyland and, and it's a, you know, some people call them yes days, but I don't like that term because yes, that is what you do. You do yes days, but best day is really about from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, they get to have and do whatever they want to do. The only thing that you can't do is you can't watch TV and you can't do any games. You can't go to the movies. This is us going somewhere. This is us doing something, but you can eat as much as you want, have whatever you want. And the reason why, you know, as the kids grew up, it became more awesome to see what they really wanted, what was on their heart. So one of the most profound was when Noah was probably 10 or 11 and he just said, Hey dude. And, and the reason why it's really also a little bit more layered with Noah is because he has special needs with autism. And so this is a big part of our family and our calling. And, uh, for him, he's like, Hey dude, I want to, I want to really, I want to do the elf and home alone trip to New York. I'm like, all right, tell me what that looks like. And he's like, I want to fly first class. I want to, I want to take a limo to the Plaza hotel. And I want to stay at the Plaza and I want to go get pizza. I want to go get ice cream. I want to go to Rockefeller center and go to the Lego store. And I'm like, all right, anything else? And he's like, no, that's it. I'm like, dang, dude, that's good. Like that's baller. But it's also like, I want to make this a reality. And um, 
you know, and w- what most people have don't, and you can read it on my blog, but one of the, one of the things that most people don't know about this story that makes it so cool is, um, and do I have time to say this really quick? Yeah, man, of course. Oh, okay. This yeah. Is beautiful. So, Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was really crazy was I called the concierge and the, one of the greatest things about the Fairmont and I give props to everybody there was they got in and on it with me. And I just said, Hey, listen, here's the deal. This is what's going on with my son. We're doing this special thing. You know, it's a father son deal. Um, and I really want to like make things super special for him and all that. And they, and she's like, dude, I got it covered. And we land, I get a text from her. She's like, Hey, welcome to New York. You know, we'll see you guys soon. We can't wait to see the Noah's, you know, it was really cool. And so we're driving over there and, you know, it's the week before Christmas. So there's slight snow falling. It's like magical. It's full home alone style, right? We pull up mass crowd outside the plaza and there's like guards and the bellmen are actually guarding it off because they don't let the public come in during those hours because it's so everybody wants to go see the tree and it's all crazy. So the car opens, Noah steps out, he's got his backpack and everything. And, you know, he like walks up to the rope and everything. And the guy's like, sorry, man, we can't let anybody in. And Noah just looks up and he's like, I'm staying here. (laughs) And just, and just as like, here's, what's really special. I'm going to kind of, and, and there's a really cool thing that the Lord did on this, but we walk in, we check in long story short, we get to our suite, we come walking in and we hear noise inside the bedroom and we hear noise inside the room, somebody talking and we get in there and like home alone is playing on the TV. No way. And then we come around the corner and there's this huge, massive spread that's uh. out the foot of the bed of candy and uh, cookies and lollipops and all licorice, all this kind of stuff. And then there's this huge note and it says Noah on it. And I go, dude, it looks like there's something for you. And he goes over there and he opens it and he pulls it up and it says, Hey, Noah, um, make sure that you don't get lost in New York. Your friend, Kevin McAllister. Man. So, dude, that Man. whole surprise and delight oh. was just so insane on that moment. I'll never forget as long as I live. But here's, here's, here's what I thought was interesting. That trip came at a time. That was really tough, whether it was financial stuff that was going on, family stuff, deaths in the family, restructuring, um, uh, like no pandemic was happening at the time, but it was like, I remember it was like the crucible of stuff was going on. So doing that trip was a stretch. Was it lavish and extravagant? Totally. But as we're walking to Rockefeller Center and I'm watching Noah just walk in the snow Snow falling, it's magical. And I'm like, this is unbelievably epic. The Lord just kind of touched me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, dude, see how you feel at him? See how you're looking at him right now? Magnify that times a million. That's how I feel about you. So that's a moment where that best day, that moment, that confirmation from the Lord, that stuff doesn't just happen if we're busy and we're distracted. A trip like that takes design. A trip like that requires a lot of proactive thought, and not just financially, but then really wrapping around what do we want to make this an incredible investment? He still talks about it to this day. It still has a ripple effect. With Griffin, she's like, I want to go to a suite in Vegas and go see Michael Jackson and go get ice cream. Like, so it was the same thing for her. It was just, it's, it's lavish. It's no rules. It's hearing yes all day. It's, hearing, it's literally not hearing much from me 
all I am is just the bodyguard, underwriter, <laughs> and the one that's just providing them the memory of a lifetime. But where it transforms is when it goes from your kids to your spouse. And that's a whole other conversation. So it, that's even better. Man, and we're going to have you back on for part two for sure. Because I want to – the way you talk about your wife too is beautiful. I was telling Taylor, my wife, about it. And she's like, oh, my gosh. Mm. Wow. Okay. Yes, yes. So you've set the standard high. So next time when you come on, we're going to do that. Man, you just – that was a drop the mic to the max right there. If anybody is feeling stuck in their life right now, you just listen to this. Here's what you need to do. Rewind it. Yeah. Listen to it again. Do the same <laughs> thing again. Get these seeds planted in your mind to let them grow. Noah, mm. Elias, you are an absolute, man, just light to this world. We need more people mm. like you, and we will pump this out everywhere. How do we all follow and support you and just no, I appreciate that. I've got, a, I've got a, f- a few things. One, I have a gift for you. And if you go to Noah Elias, E L I A S, NoahElias.net forward slash SW, I have a PDF in there that you're going to be able to download. And that PDF download is what I call the Kingdom, the Kingdom Entrepreneur's Guide to 100x Results. It's everything we, we just talked about. You're going to be able to download that. It's a really cool like chart. It just has some wonderful promptings to kind of prompt you over coffee. Like I've had people put them up on their wall. I've literally had them just read it over coffee every single morning. But this is just a wonderful, great way to step on the scale and prompt you in how am I doing? Am I Am I distracted? Mm. Can I get more out of my time? What's the end game? What are things I need to consider? What are some certain ways to be able to see what I could do better? Just a wonderful way to encourage you. So please download that. Take that if you'd like. I'm on Instagram, noah.j.elias. Um, you can find me there. Twitter, Noah Fine Art. Facebook, Noah Fine Art. And um, man, I'm just grateful to do life with you guys and super grateful to be on here, dude. Oh man, trust me. The, the honor and the pleasure is all ours and the listeners and check him out on Instagram. Like we didn't talk about the paintings, which is what he does, what he so, so (laughs) called does. They're phenomenal. So no, we'll have you back on again. We'll see you soon for sourdough, sweet potatoes, steak. And there we go, baby. You know, man, if there's anything I can ever do for you, I'm always here for you, brother. Thank you so much, man. man. You got it. Hit the road, just pivot and go. Just pivot and go.